Welcome back, everybody, and thank you again for tuning in. We have some new things coming your way, but for now, be sure to find us on all social media platforms. We're on Twitter during matches and send Premier League updates, too, but we're always down to have a chat with fans all over the globe. We're also on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and run our live shows on Twitch. Click subscribe and join the conversation when we record. And as always, let us know what you think. The beautiful game is for everyone to enjoy, so keep us posted on what you want to hear more of. Now, let's have a beer. on that one. Oh, but per usual we got there and I didn't even shake it that was a mistake <laughs> not shake but maybe lightly tip upside down that's a tip that Tristan always fills me in on welcome back everybody the Howlers podcast episode 109 as you can tell it's up close and personal today it's just Connor and I and yeah we're back we're ready to kick it off with some interesting and exciting news around the Premier League and in the world of football as always, but uh, what's the, going on? What are you doing? <laughs> I'm sh- trying to shake up my beer. <laughs> Relax, it's getting there. Don't worry. Making noises over here. Yeah. Look at this beer. Oh my gosh. All right, I'll go first, I guess, while you yep. shake your beer. It's like coming along. Look at it. it's bubbling up. So I have 450 North Brewing Company, um, slushy, slushy nation, and it's a cool looking can, very colorful. It is plum, blueberry, s- sour sop. Lemonade, peach, and strawberry. Sounds smoothies. like a mouthful is what it is. Yeah. Like like usual. Like honestly the dream ones have a lot of different flavors in them as well. But I went I went four fifty north this time and yeah, let's try it out. It's like the food network. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's pretty good. Maybe I, I probably should have shaken it up, but I didn't. And Rookie mistakes over here. Yeah. I don't really I mean I've Tristan got me on the Sour beer wave, so I've kind of just been on that. I don't know, the heavy, the heavy IPAs just—I just need a break from them. Summertime, yeah, get the fruit flowing. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm also. You said 450 North. Yeah. I'm also drinking 450 North. This one I was pretty pumped for. I uh, actually bought it last week, and I've saved it for this week. Um, but I was really excited. You know, save the best for last. It's always the mo but it's called sticky icky buns <laughs> which i think is funny That's hilarious. but uh this is a triple xl so i mean that's a slushy triple xl meaning that it's got like an enormous slush factor this thing is thick and that's why i wish i shook it up um but the flavors yeah i'll just do this now with mine like, sound literally like wine yeah, taking a page. Um, the flavors here is double blackberry. That'll probably explain the color. We're up close and personal, so I guess you can see that. Eh, maybe not. That kind of looks like looks very similar to mine. Looks literally. like black in the camera. It's our high quality camera coming to you. Um, black double blackberry, blueberry, plum, honey, brown sugar, cinnamon, lactose, and vanilla cream. Um, I was pouring it. I didn't finish pouring it because it didn't look right to me, but. We're going to see how this goes down. <laughs> the Food Network, everybody. ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Literally, it's like 
what are they going to say? Their food tastes bad right after they spent 30 minutes cooking it and you're supposed to be cooking it along with them. And like, there's one thing we're pretty authentic when it comes to beer on this podcast. And whenever I've had a bad beer, I've voiced it. <laughs> and I, I take pride in that. I think that's important. We're not just drinking beers for the Smell sake of it. Smell this one. Dude. It smells like cinnamon. Oh, Smell that? Smells that? Really, I'm going to try it. Oh. That tastes pretty good. It's Cinnamon's kind of weird, but. I know. I, I wish it was like one or the other. But it's all right. We'll move on from that. Then we move into picks. So we only, we only got two beers to talk about tonight. Connor, it's a light Connor episode. Said, you said before we started that we should have put money down based yeah. off the score lines and or we should have got like a betting sponsor or something because damn we picked pretty pretty good this week and uh, hey we're we're ready we're on Twitch let us know whoever's out there wants to that runs a gambling organization <laughs> yeah just what we need <laughs> I'm gonna have to heckle Jalen though because if we're starting at the bottom Jay. Did not do so hot this week. Good in comparison to what we've picked in the past. Um, but he only showed up with seven points this week, which is like usually pretty like good. That's not like him. And, yeah, he's always dominating, gets rubbing in our face and whatnot. So um, he's actually working the Red Sox game at the moment. Um, it's yep. the first game of a homestand, so he, he chose to stay. But uh, going to have to give him an earful. Andrew comes in second place with 11 points. Two score lines correct, so... Um, that's pretty cool. He's doing his bit, not bad. But Tristan and myself were knotted at the top, also with two correct score lines picked, uh, with twelve points. So that's got to be up there in the record books, almost. I mean, Jay has like a fifteen, I think, somewhere along the line last season. Yeah, but last season Jalen was hitting numbers that we've never seen before. Howard <laughs> podcast, <laughs> uncharted territory for Jalen, um, uh, but. Yeah. No, it was a good week of picks, and it was after. Maybe we needed that little uh, break from it. You know, we took a little step away from just picks, and then we yeah, come we, back, and we come back hot to close out the season. We'll see what happens next week. So, check, check, keep an eye on the page. We hadn't done the it in a minute. We hadn't done it in a while. So, but we're back, and we're doing it. The Premier League's almost over, but I mean, the score lines are still surprising at times. Yeah. And this week, I feel like they're worse. Difficult to pick score lines. Oh, 100%. Um, like the likes of West Ham, Arsenal. You had Brighton Wolves. You had uh, Burnley, Watford. Chelsea, Everton. Yeah, no one picked that one, so we can't take any credit there. <laughs> but, but still, it's still... But like, yeah, no, definitely not easy to pick. Um, but we do what we can. So that was picks for you. We're happy to be back with those. Always just something to lighten the mood and keep things fun and entertaining for everyone. Even if you don't know football, you can pick the score. So... Um, that's and a little can, bit. You can bet money and hopefully win it. Yeah, don't, just don't bet too much. I, I still, as much as we call upon a betting sponsor or whatever, it's like. Oh, don't pick our, don't, or don't blame us if you pick them. But not even that. I think football is probably one of the hardest sports to bet oh, 100%. Because it's like, yeah. you can't, it's not only bet win or lose, it's bet. You have to consider the tie as a factor. So immediately your odds go down. Qu- quickly off topic, I, I had a friend when we were in Dublin, we were in Dublin, we were in the country of Ireland, but. We were driving to the airport, and my friend uh, back home texted me and said, "He's not a football fan, but he he does he does bet. Well, way to go! He does bet on on football from time to time, and he'll message me every single time and say, who do I put money on? This team, that team.' And I always tell him, "Look, I'm going to give you my opinion, but don't take it for don't take it for what it's worth because football is the hardest sport to bet on. It was City Liverpool, and I told him it was." I said, oh, yeah, that's tough. One. I said Liverpool, but I was like, you never know. It's the two best teams in England, but still. That was, it. was that the FA Cup? 
Or was that the no? That season? was that was a regular season game. So yeah, I would have told them to bet the tie. So whenever I'm whenever I'm giving picks to anybody that doesn't watch football, I always just let them know. Comes hey. with a nice disclaimer. Yeah, I do. Read the fine print when yeah. you take our predictions. <laughs> exactly. Um, exactly. <clears throat> but yeah, there's there's loads going on in the Premier League, but we're going to start with the most current events, which is the likes of the Champions League, and we're going to even speak a little futuristic, so um, we'll get into the match that obviously occurred today. That was a huge, huge match. Um, but looking ahead to tomorrow first, so Real Madrid... Face off against Manchester City. Manchester City hold a one goal lead. Um, it ended four three, right? Yeah, that, that four was, three. That was, that was the final scoreline score of the first leg. So, as every manager will tell you, every player, it's only halftime now. Yeah. Um, and they're going to the Bernabeu, um, which is always going to be a difficult place to play. Who knows what's going to happen? Um, there's some recent news. Coming out that Alaba is definitely out for tomorrow's match due to a leg injury. So that's going to be a huge miss for Madrid just because they, as much as you'd like to think they're going to take it to City tomorrow, I think it is going to take another, I don't even know what you'd call it, defensively last time. They conceded four goals, but like they're going to need to defend for probably long portions and long stands and possession from City. So it's going to be interesting to see how they manage that without a high-quality defender. Veteran defender, loads of experience under his belt, plenty of Champions League semifinals that he's played in his career, but that's going to be a huge miss for them. And another factor that I think, I don't know if anyone's really considering it, they probably are because there's football pundits everywhere, but I don't know if Real Madrid winning the league this past weekend really did them any favors because I think it kind of slipped their mind that it's like, oh shit, we have... Like, don't get me wrong. They're going to go and celebrate. They're professionals. They can show up and play on the day, but they're out boozing on a Sunday night. Yeah, it's harder to it's harder to celebrate. It's harder to, in my opinion, win something like the league and then celebrate and be like, "Oh crap, we have a very important game for a very important trophy." For four days later, right? And so, yeah, the, they're on the high of the of the of La Liga. Like you mentioned, as any player would, and they are professionals, but you kind of get maybe your foot gets off the gas a little bit because because that's the case. But I don't know. I, I think I think Real Madrid, no matter what, in the Champions League, they're always a threat. And I I'm gonna give my prediction now. I think Real Madrid are gonna win tomorrow, and that's that's partially because I don't want City to go through. Yeah, neither do I. And <clears throat> I, I I want. I, I, I'm rooting for Madrid, and I think they will get it. I think they have the edge just based off the fact that they are, they're such an historic club in the competition. And if, you, if I'm quoting Jose, if you know Jose Marino, you know this quote. He talked about it. It's a lot of the Champions League is a lot of, you know, legacy, and a lot of clubs are successful in it no matter what. No matter what's going on domestically, what's going on, changes around the club. A lot of clubs that are historically Top in the champ in the Champions League do Purple. well, so yeah, hundred um, yeah, percent. I think I think Real Madrid's gonna win. I hope they win. And the fuck, un- the unfortunate <laughs> factor for them is like they can't even they can't sit in and win one nil. Like obviously, if it were last year, they could sit in, rely on their three away goals, yeah, and try to go up one nil, pack it in, and just shut City down on the night, but. They are going to have to chase the game a bit if they want to win it in regulation. Yeah, um, they obviously can push it to extra time and then penalties. Whether they have a huge goalkeeper, Courtois, um, I don't even know what Ederson's penalty. I don't know. 
track record is. I would imagine it's decent, but it's yeah. probably just decent. I wouldn't say it's anything extraordinary. Um, also, I think City, obviously, I just stated everything about Madrid, but the one thing that City does have is the fact that they lost it last year as a driving motivation. So that's a threat of City is that when Liverpool lost the Champions League final, they came back the next season and won it. City are in the same boat, same amount of quality. Right. And so that's a threat for Real Madrid. That's a threat for Liverpool in the final. And, uh, I mean, they're gunning for the Champions League no matter what. Yeah, and that little lapse in focus from Madrid and them winning the league, City has been dialed in all of that yeah. and all of those moments. I guess it's you're going to look at it as like, oh, they're focused, they're locked in, they want this, this is all they want. It's tunnel vision. Yep, yep. Um, but that could also be something that kind of might disable them to find success because then they're going to feel a lot of pressure when they step on the pitch. They're going to... so. I guess playing devil's advocate from the perspective of, oh yeah, Madrid, they went and won the league, but they also had a chance to relax. They're, um, they're loose. They're free flowing. They're going to be approaching the game with a lot of excitement. Yeah. They're confident. Yeah. So who knows? And city or some is been a team. Pep obviously has to face those questions from the media, but it's the fact that sometimes they, he does overthink with tactical things and these huge moments and city players sometimes crumble under those, but he did touch on it in his pre-presser. Just the fact that it's no longer that like city hasn't been here before they went to the final last season. Yeah. They know what it's like to play these big games. And since he's been there, they've been in very deep areas in the tournament. And yes, while at first they didn't always find success, they certainly have kind of flipped the coin in their favor. And now they, they, they're a factor, and they're kind of building up that bit of legacy. Obviously, nothing in comparison to Real Madrid because they're just absolute giants, um, mammoths as far as the Champions League go. But they have been there. It's the same team as last season, so there's a lot for City to go and chase, and I don't think they'll shy away from it. But there is that always that factor. And you mentioned like the Pep overthinking it. That's a good point because he hasn't won the Champions League since Barcelona. So it's a long time. It's been a long. It's been over a decade now. So he, him as a as a manager, wants to get this right. And sometimes when the pressure's on, for anybody that hasn't won something that they are known for winning, or have had success in, that could easily deter you and 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 take you off. And you yeah. might you may over, he may overthink and he may. And looking at the first performance, City played nearly a perfect game. Yeah. Granted, their defense yeah. was poor. in the fact that they conceded three, but they dominated all areas of the game and it still ended 4-3. City shouldn't have left Real Madrid anything in that game and the way they played barely did and yet it still stands 4-3. So that might be something that does. He's like killing him, knocking himself about it. Like, what did I do here? We played phenomenal on the day. We created loads of opportunities and yet somehow Madrid is still, still in, in the tie. game. And Pep is definitely, his bald head is sweating. Yeah, yeah. The turtleneck's getting a little, a little constricted. The weather's, around get, the him. weather's getting nicer. Flustered. The weather's getting nicer. The pressure's going to be warm in Spain. Yeah, it is. So, um, but yeah, it's going to be exciting. I hope it turns out anything like the match today Yeah. for watching it as a neutral fan. Today, yeah, I would have never wished. That, I would have <laughs> never wished that the game turned out as it did. Villarreal come out; they score within three minutes, and 
that is the last thing that Liverpool needed. We played the worst half of football this season. I think we had three touches in the opponent's box in the first 45 minutes. And I think we did, we were flustered. We The minute they got that first goal, a lot of worries. We weren't completing passes. We were losing 50-50 challenges. I touched on it to you. I was like, Kata wasn't, I didn't think he was getting the job done. He did yep. end up playing the length of the, I th- unless he got Hendo pulled off. Hendo never came on, right? He did. He came yeah. on late. Um, but I thought Hendo was going to be a halftime sub to kind of spin that around. Louis Diaz also not someone that you're shy to bring off the bench in one of those situations. But us being Liverpool, us, Liverpool being flustered um, <laughs> yeah. in that first half, I think was in full credit to the Villarreal fan base. They showed up in a grand fashion. The stadium looked ph- phenomenal. It was packed to the brim. The atmosphere was incredible. Um, and that team came out and they put in an absolute shift for 45 minutes. They made Liverpool look like like a mid-table, confused where they were side in the Champions League they, they for 45 minutes. They made you like minutes. you had no system. No, yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> I mean, they exposed Robbo usually a, like, pegged in top-tier defensive, like, assurance in the back. He got caught out, like, twice. He didn't look great. Obviously, Trent not didn't challenge for the header. Kapu was offered two assists. He was a, he was a Coquelin. problem. In the midf- he was a problem. Yeah, in the and too, yeah. that's a defensive midfielder offering two mis- two assists. Coquelin was just, I mean, <laughs> oh, I couldn't even watch him. And then yeah, yeah. insult to injury, he comes out and gets the second, and then it's two two, and we're even, and our advantage is nullified at the half. So, credit to Villarreal, Unai Emery. He was pumped. It was good to see and um, what it could have been, but the professional professionalism of Liverpool to go in at halftime. Klopp must have said all the right things. Um, I think he deserves a lot of credit in turning the demeanor around in the second half because immediately out of the second half with Diaz on, ability to hold the ball, Thierry Henry was speaking a lot on that. You need someone in those situations when you're not when you're not linking up in passes, you need people that can hold the ball at their feet and don't turn it over just to kind of kill off that press from Villarreal. So, um, yeah, I mean, we came out in the second half, absolutely. We dominated. We got back to what we're used to, and obviously we we scored three goals and um, just go out and go out and end up in the final. I think I you mean, guys would have not advanced if it wasn't for the the poor goalkeeping. I think I think it would. I think Villarreal. I think if you replace that goalkeeper with any other with any other. Uh, if you just had a, there's a lot of what ifs you could say. There's a lot that. of what, but dude, two of the goals were. I mean, Louis Diaz made made a wonderful run, and the header was wasn't the most. I guess you could the one thing you could say was the path in which he headed it, he headed it downwards that can throw a goalkeeper off at any point. I just think. I mean, yeah, Fabinho, the goalkeeping was poor. Fabinho's goal. I just think that yes, I think the goal. If there was the, the goalkeeper was slightly better, those goals were like they weren't the greatest goals. But I would say. Yeah, I, I don't think they were, and nor were the goals in the first. So leg, I, th- but I think we, yeah, we still played well enough. No, to- I, I'm not. I'm not taking that away from. You. I'm just giving more credit to Villarreal and the fact that they would have held on to the lead, regardless if they had a if they had a little bit more quality in between the sticks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess if you want to go down the road, of, <laughs> if you want to go down the road of hypotheticals, they the, I, at I the end of the day they didn't. But I don't think you guys had that many more chances that you were looking to score. 
in the first leg, like if you're gonna look at across two no, legs, no, I'm looking, like at, I'm looking at it at this game solely. I'm not looking. Oh at it. yeah, put the blinders on to help. The, I'm even looking at it the second half. Like the second half alone, you guys went and got those goals. Like besides those two opportunities, and obviously the later one, you had you got three goals in the second half. Yeah. Correct. So I think it would have. It would have. There would have been. It could have gotten. Extra, it would. I would have loved to see it go to extra time. And I think. I mean, goal, extra the time. Goal, the goal, Villarreal is still down a man. The goalkeeping was, like, pathetic. Yeah, the, yeah, they were. They were. I mean, even the first like the goalkeeping wasn't great. So, that that definitely is a factor. And it's like they could have someone better between the nets. And I mean, Salah could have been more clinical with some of his chances. But he's been. It was. I mean, there's loads of what ifs that you could touch on. They, they no, get to the final, but and that's the one. That, that's the one. That's the one. The not what's the one factor right now that you could look at and be like, if there was just a little bit more quality, you could see Villarreal going through no problem. Right, and I mean, looking ahead, obviously Liverpool plays Tottenham on the weekend, and to see, knowing what's still at stake in the league, to see how Villarreal frustrated us, Tottenham surely is going to have to look at that and be like. Conte is definitely watching. They played yeah. midweek. Liverpool played midweek. Yep. Spurs off midweek. So they should be fit enough to go a full 90 w- with that, not even pressing style, but just like trying to keep the ball against Liverpool, putting them um, under pressure. It wasn't necessarily individual pressure, um, but just the way that they move their line very high up the pitch to make Liverpool play in uncomfortable areas is what allowed them to stay in the match. So I think Spurs certainly is going to look at that. And despite it being against Conte's MO to sit in and work on the counter, that's also something that could work against Liverpool. And Spurs played phenomenal against Liverpool earlier in the season. Yeah. But like Spurs seeing that, like they know it's their chance to kind of put a nail in the coffin to, at at least with our league, our league title hopes. And like, we still trail city, but I, there's going to be a lot of film to be watched by that team. And it, it has me nervous for the weekend. We'll see what happens then. Um, but, yeah, Liverpool's in pursuit of a quadru- quadruple. They're, they got the Carabao Cup, the League Cup, under their belt already. That's in the cabinet. And now it's two finals, FA Cup final. That is two weekends from now. I believe it's the 14th. 14th, yeah. Um, so they have that, and then they're going to Paris. So they're going to Paris for the Champions League final. We'll figure out who that's against, and then one point behind City in the league how with do you, four games to play. How do you legitimately see the season ending? I don't even want to speak on that, to be honest. Come on, don't I, don't be like, um, don't be playing this but no, superstitious game. Jurgen has kind of said it. It's like... Yes, we're in phenomenal positions, and we've played phenomenal football to get there. We've had to win all of these games. We've won like literally all our competition games. Like we we've been playing phenomenal football, but like if the season ends without us bringing cups out of some of these finals or not lifting the the like Premier League title at the end of the season, we walk away with a league cup, and that's it. Despite having played probably one of the best historical football seasons ever if we don't close out in these finals it's 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 going to be knocked on by all fans ever and like I could pitch an argument but I know I can't pitch an argument without titles so I think I don't I don't know I think worst case we walk away with maybe only one more trophy I think it's easier to go into one one final than it is to go into four like or potentially four so what I'm saying is 
You have so many. You have four, three other finals to look at right now. If you, sorry, if you won the you won the league cup, but you have two finals to solely look at right now, the FA Cup final and the Champions League final. I think if you just had one of them, you would be there'd be less concern about the whole the whole the whole opportunity of winning all four. You know what I mean? Because your your one focus is this. My sole focus, obviously, Klopp has his side drill to focus per game. Right. So I'm sure that's not, I'm not saying that's a concern, but at the end of the day, these are human beings and then in the back of their minds, they're like, fuck, we have like, we have this opportunity and we don't want to let it slip. We cannot drop the ball in this. So my point is that when you have just one thing to go for, you're all in. And some players, some, there's going to be some players or some moments where in the back of their head, they're like, like we could be, we could be losing all four or all three. So, um, yeah, and I mean we're we are trailing in the Premier League, so like that, as much as like it's being made out to be a quadruple, like yes, we're right there, but it's very likely that City doesn't lose another game, and like it's not even really a possibility. Like Chelsea, you guys play Chelsea, but yeah, Chelsea is going to be sitting and preparing for that final. They are very for focused on two FA weeks, Cup, yeah. So um, it, it's going to be difficult, and I do truly believe that Jurgen has the players pegged to believe that it's like. I don't think they're feeling the pressure of the quadruple because as much as the media is making it out to be that pursuit, it's like we're in two finals, but the like premier league, as much as we're right there, all we can do is chase and we can chase until the very last day. Um, yep. But like if we drop points and city wins out, it's like, what could we have done anyways? No, so yeah. um, I think that's how he has the team viewing it. And when it does come finals day, the experience that we've gained under Klopp and the finals that we've been to is going to be enormous in going into these matches because as much as it feels like a final, it's also going to feel like another must-win match, which it's what it's been um, for the basically since, what, March or April. Um, so it's going to be, I don't know, it's going to be terrifying to watch. And I'm going to be nervous because obviously worst case, we have we put in one of the best football seasons ever, and we walk away with a league cup. But you can't think like that. You have to embrace the moments and enjoy them while we can. So it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch, um, and fun to watch and full of sweat for Connor Wall. Yeah, I was. <laughs> oh, the stress sweat today was just out of absolute control. Yeah, um, while I was working on my laptop. But and I mean another factor. So if we can get. Well, one, Jurgen is the first manager ever to reach four, well, or three cup finals, I believe, in one season. Our Premier League manager to do that. Or, like, I don't know. There was some stat that he's, like... I don't think that's true. It's it's that he's... I literally just saw it. I think he's, like... Should have screenshot that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I think Sir Alex has done that. Uh, I could be wrong, though. Let me see if I can find it. But... What we do need and what would help a lot is if Salah turns up in these big moments, which he's fully capable of. Um, oh, he's led his team to as many Champions League finals as um, Sir Alex. Oh, I can't find it. No manager have has ever reached the Champions League, League Cup, and FA Cup final all in the same season. Jurgen Klopp makes history. Okay, that makes sense. Um, but, yeah, if Salah, so Salah has been quiet. He's offered assists lately. Um, he did have two, the two goals against United, which kind of put 
the whispers of his goal drought to bed for the time being, but he has been quiet. He doesn't look as clinical in front of net, so we're going to need him come these finals. Um, but the golden boot race is in full swing because of his quiet second half of the season. In Salah's own standard and own right, I think he would admit that he's only been average, um, an average for Salah in the second half of the season. Um, and that has allowed Sony, um, human Sony, to he's, uh, he's gain some ground. Up. He's uh, creeping he's, up. He's now three goals shy, I believe. So Salah has 22. No, he's... Sony has 19, I believe. Oh, he has 19. Yeah, you're and right. And then Sorry, Ronaldo is also there um, with 18. 18. Um, yeah. But it, it's definitely going to be interesting. Obviously, there's still difficult games to play for Spurs. They have Liverpool. They have Son scores in those big games, so it's still opportunity for him, as does Salah. And then <clears throat> Arsenal, Arsenal as well. As well. Yep. I believe Liverpool play Villa. Um, I don't know if we... They play Le- Arsenal play Leeds this weekend as well, so... Oh, right. So The opportunity for plenty of goal. I mean, I, I'm not taking shots at Leeds, but... Wait, Arsenal play Leeds? Yeah. That doesn't matter. No, for... for Golden boot. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm getting <laughs> mixed up. Uh, I, I, we talked but about. But no, yeah. Tottenham also plays. I think they play two bottom teams. I think they might play Burnley and Watford. I could have that wrong. Yeah. Um, but those are going to be huge opportunities for Sony to get goals in bunches. So he could make a late push when Salah was in an untouchable category for Golden Boot. Um, and Salah certainly still has his contributions, and he'll probably pick up one or two, uh, which might, might put it out of reach. But do you have a pick for the golden boot? Ronaldo, it, Ronaldo's there, but he only has two games left. So. I think it's going to be Salah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it would be. But I think, yeah, he's he's just behind him, but it's one penalty. It's like, it's something, you know what yeah, I mean? Like, I think they're going posi- to get themselves in a position where Salah could take a penalty, and they're going to be like, all right, like right, we're going to get you the golden boot this season. Yeah. Solidify that. Yeah, so Spurs have Arsenal, then Burnley, and Norwich at the end of the season. Ooh, that could be... Yeah, that's what I mean. They Norwich, you could... I mean, teams, I think Son... I don't know. As weird as it might sound, I might see him more likely to score this weekend against Liverpool than I do against, like, Norwich. I, maybe Burnley, I'm, I don't know what they'll do. I'm taking it back. I'm going Son. Just because I saw the Norwich game, and they're, I mean, yeah, they're they're going down. So <laughs> I I'm mean, gonna they, I'm gonna stick to Salah. I think that he's just built enough of a cushion. I think a three goal cushion is big for him. Um, and I don't think that like he's necessarily feeling the pressure. And even when he does feel the pressure, that's usually when he kind of silences the critics. So it'll be interesting. Just one more thing to make the Premier League all that more entertaining as we come down the home stretch. Uh, one more thing to keep an eye on. But that that allows us to get full blown into the Premier League, and we are going to see a new team. Well, not an entirely new team because they were new. they were just here uh, two, a few years ago. But yeah, Bournemouth have been promoted to the Premier League, led by yours truly, most handsome football manager in English football, <laughs> Scott Parker. He's um, he's taken this side second in the league in the championship. And they were they were relegated back in the nineteen twenty season, and I mean, speaking of players, they still have to look forward to having back it, with Premier League experience is Lerma, Billing, and Solanke. To give context to Solanke's season this year, he had twenty nine goals, so yeah. he had a lot of hate. Obviously, a lot of not hate. I guess he was just un, it was underwhelming signing for Liverpool. Yeah, he was also very young. He was very he was young, and 
I mean, he, he's he led the line at, at Bournemouth this season, so hopefully he can find his feet in the Premier League and seems to be in a comfortable place in Bournemouth as well. Scott Parker, I'm sure, getting the best out of him as you as you can see by the the stats on the sheet. But I, I've I've always liked Bournemouth when I used to watch him play. They had, obviously had Eddie Howe back back then, and he brought him up all the way from I believe League Two. Yeah, I think he brought them three or four tiers up. Exactly. So they were an exciting team to watch. Obviously, Eddie Howe doing wonderful things now at Newcastle. So you can see that how they how much they were exciting to watch back then. But yeah, Scott's quality there. Yeah, Scott, sure. Scott Parker when he took over Fulham, he, there was there was moments of of brilliance. So I'm, I'm hoping that they make a couple of signings this summer. Some unexpected ones would be pretty cool. And yeah, it would be it's going to be very cool to see them back in the Premier League. So. Good to have you back. Good to have you back, Bournemouth. Welcome back. <laughs> now, we love if you can keep up the comedy that you brought on Twitter. Just saying, yeah, adding the Premier giving League, a, giving a wave emoji like to, a, to at the Premier League, like that's Jack, funny. like Jack Grealish in the DMs. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's something that doesn't get enough love. Not Jack Grealish being in women's DMs, but I think the fact that. These Premier League clubs have a little banter on their socials that I don't think gets recognized enough. TikTok, if TikTok you, is hilarious. If any of you guys want to see some just funny some, footy, some banter and, and shots taken, it just go to just go to TikTok and follow these clubs online because they're taking shots at Ronaldo. They're taking shots at like some of the best players in the world when it's like a and Burnley they always side. Got funny sound it's effects. Like a, it's like a Burnley side, and it's a player either missing or. One of their players beating a defender, and then and they yeah. just have some funny, like you said, funny music, funny noises in it, and some of the best were like the Chris Wilder ones. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when he would have his Sheffield team fucking. Oh, like that's that's my spearing spear tackling people, and then it would be the, like the, on their actual socials. This is yeah, don't get that wrong. That is their actual socials. Like yeah, yeah. Sheffield United, granted they're not in the prem now, but or like Liverpool's FCs, like actual team page is where where the banter happens on TikTok. So keep an eye out. So though. go follow them because they're funny. If yeah. you want to get a good laugh in. Just a good laugh. But uh I say we get into the actual weekend and to the Premier League as a whole, some interesting stuff happened and some shocking stuff I would say. Around the relegation side we have the four, the three major teams at the moment: Everton, Burnley, and Leeds. They're all in a in a very tough position, crawling for obviously safety. Getting into Everton, at, at, I mean, off the bat, a shock win against Chelsea, something that nobody expected. And I really like Frank Lampard's post match um, comments. He mentioned the fans. As you saw the bus pull up to Goodison, you could see the fans and their thousands with the blue flares and. Um, you know, just being that 12th man that every club really relies on at times and, and moments like this too. And they, they went out there, Jordan Pickford, man of the match, rightfully oh so gosh. A, a new, hit new levels, hit new levels on the day. He gets a lot of stick, but you can't deny when he does put a good performance in England he's, fans he's, will love to see that yeah. pre world cup. <laughs> he's, England, up. He, he's England's number one and does put good performances in when he's with Gareth Southgate, but Frank really needed him in this game. And, not just him, but we're Charleston as well, getting the, the the winning goal. And yeah, no, it was a complete shocker for, for Everton, for Chelsea. And Thomas Tuchel was fuming during the entire match. I mean, Everton were just hungry for the ball, hungry to fight to not fight to not get uh, to not concede. And no, I think it was um it, goes, it was yeah. it was an exciting exciting match to watch overall. It goes to show and I mean the game was on a knife's edge. Like I was watching it just Again, as a neutral, and it's like that was despite it being nil nil, and then one nil. Like the game was on a knife's edge. The energy, the passion—it go, it goes to show how far that really does 
bring a team. And Everton brought it on the day, and they flipped the switch. And it is, despite being the arch's rival to Liverpool, it's good to see a team, when they lay it all on the line, despite lack of skill, whatever, an underdog toppling a giant in, in fo- the world of football to in an effort to stay up and remain in the Premier League is just like, I don't know. It's just, it's it's a fairy tale, dude. And not just yeah, it's a story. Shut up. Um, <laughs> and not just speaking on obviously the the result, but I think a lot of Everton fans and a lot of what Frank was looking for from his players was a fight and a scrap, and it took a little bit for, for Everton to get there. Not saying this is game is a defining moment in terms of their safety. It could be. It could be the moment where things change. They have a couple games left. They have a game in hand as well, but. They were aggressive, and they were. There was moments in the game where Everton players and Chelsea players were were head to head, butting heads, fighting. Not that that's a good thing. We don't warrant that, but that's you know. I think at the end of the day, when players are truly invested, Seamus Coleman was getting in it. With, I think it was with Reese James or another. Oh, I was asked Peter Quetta and Reese James um, and Seamus Coleman getting into it. So you could see that there's a fight, there's a a scrap in them, and you want that if you're Frank Lampard because. Yes, they have like they still have quality players and players that should not be relegated in the side, but you you lose all that when you're fighting for relegation because at the end of the day, other teams are going to outwork you, and you finally saw that from Everton against Chelsea, which yeah. is uh, which is good for the team and good for Frank. Yeah, those quality players tend to think they're owed something, so when it gets to a relegation battle, it's like they just not necessarily up. who you want on yeah. the pitch. Um, but that that was not the case on the weekend so that was incredible and the rest of the relegation battle is now all that more much more interesting obviously Burnley just just pulled incredible form out of their ass pretty much three right now since uh sacking Sean Dyche which I don't think anyone would have saw that coming and Burnley is lucky that it worked out that way for them because had they dropped points I think in even maybe two of those matches and picked up three like it would have been like, why did they do what they do? And that's what all the questions would be. But three three wins off the bounce. They now sit highest um, out of the likes of Burnley, Everton, Leeds. Um, they're level, I no, think they're, it's, no, a, it's on goal on, differential. They're level, they're level on points with Leeds right now. Yeah, they just have oh, 34. They, they have the same goal differential. Too. Oh, no. No, they have a better goal differential than Leeds. But... It's just, it is crazy to think. No one would have saw that coming from Burnley. And it's not like they've just beaten, on the weekend they did beat Watford. But prior to that, it's not like they were just beating pushover teams that it's like, oh yeah, Burnley. Not that anyone is really And they just lost their manager. They lost their manager, the man that had led them to the Premier League and kept them in the Premier League. And a lot of, like you said, a lot of people didn't think that was the right decision, but it's lit something underneath underneath this team and... Like I said, three. Whitehorse proving to be a huge signing for them, hundred like, percent. And he's really proven that he can play, and it's it's fun to watch. Now it's like who? It's hard to pick who's going to drop. I mean, Everton game in hand. You you'd have to think they're going to get a lift from that Chelsea win, but then again, like they haven't showed anything when they've pulled those wins out of the bag to kind of make a change moving forward. I'm kind of most worried for Leeds to be up. To be honest, because they have a difficult, they have, the hardest, yeah, they have, they have a the very schedule. difficult schedule. Um, they have the worst goal differential. So, if any case that it matches up, where um, 
they're even with one of these other teams. Like they, Everton has the second worst goal differential out of the three, but they are only at minus twenty. Leeds is at minus thirty four, and like that gap isn't going to get closed in four games. They have some very attainable games right now. I mean, I would say Leicester is a point that they can go for. They could obviously beat Leicester, but I think who's this Leeds? Everton. Everton. And so they they play Leicester at the weekend. Watford. They have a midweek next week, and then they play Brentford. Palace and they finish off the season with Arsenal. So I think Everton are going to stay up and I wanted Leeds to stay up, but like you, I think I said this last week and I was on board with Leeds, but the result against city is detrimental. Not Jesse March, I believe is full of positivity and has the, has the football knowledge and the CV to get this side to play better quality football. But it's, I think he joined too late and if it wasn't for the the fixtures that are left in the season, I would be more confident. But after watching against City, if they put a little bit more of a performance in, they did play fairly well against City, but City are just able to hit those gears where they put four four past you. So, yeah, I think that could easily happen again to any of the other top sides they play come the end of the season, come later throughout the, the month. So, so you'd say Leeds is going to drop? I'd say Leeds is going to drop, yeah. Just because Burnley pulled three and three. I just cannot as until the final day of the season I cannot say with the players that Everton has the game in hand I just cannot say that they would be the ones to go down. No, I don't think they will. Um, Burnley maybe they hit their stride but the likelihood that Leeds pull out points from some very difficult fixtures I think there's still a chance that Burnley might drop. Um, it depends. I cuz I think like it's like if Burnley lose a match it's then like Back to love, we, back we, to square we, one. We hit our winning streak, but like, yeah, how yeah. are we going to turn this around now? Yeah. Um, but it's it's really hard to say. Um, all I know I is I, I'm going to I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm say, despite Burnley's like very recent form, I think Burnley might be the ones to drop. Still, I think stand behind what I said. I think like, Everton won't go down. I'm confident in that. <laughs> I'm, I'm bold. I'm I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to go back and forth with Burnley leads. Till now, from now, so right now it's Leeds. Right now it's Leeds. It could be. I've been saying be, Burnley for because Burnley was in the drop. I put like, Bur- a month I, ago, and I, I was put, like, they're definitely going down. I think I put Burnley going down in in the beginning of the season. Yeah, I think you did. So, who knows? Yeah, Not you me. won't even pick them now. You picked Leeds. <laughs> you fucking asshole. yeah, but because the, they're because they're fixtures. Yeah, no, I know. That's the only reason why because they're fixtures. I mean, we're talking. There's a lot going on at the bottom of the table right now. Um, and we'll, we'll get to the top of the table. Um, but Norwich statistically eliminated, uh, they are relegated from the premier league. Most notorious yo-yo club that you, you can come across up and down, up and down, up and down. And when they come up, it's dead last. So, um, I guess there's no surprise there. They got what well, their best form was right after the appointment of, um, Dean Smith for yep. like two games and that was it. And he was Delta. I mean, I think he's a good manager. This is just what Norwich is destined to do at just this like, point. It's it's just historically known as of recently that Norwich go down, and well, not that doesn't really make any sense. But as of recently, when we see Norwich come up, they go down immediately. So I don't know. I think and, and the players that they usually relied on like weren't even great. This Cantwell season. got loaned out. Pookie was, Pookie was not their, that good. He like, was our best sco- player by far, I think. But it wasn't like when he scored 15 goals or whatever when they were two up. Two years three ago. Three years ago, yeah. Yes. Whenever it was. 
Um, they also won the championship last season, which is I think is so weird. They when won it by a mile. I know, and they came up and Brentford are ahead of them, and uh, not I mean, not to hate on Brentford, but they didn't win the they didn't win the championship last season. And neither yeah. did Watford. So and even I mean Fulham's coming up, and like Fulham might finish dead last next. No, season. I know. yeah, because they're also a predominantly no yo yo rock bottom yo yo club. They literally trade places with Norwich. <laughs> Since the relegation ten years ago, they've. They come up and go down pretty, uh, pretty often. So, yeah, I think I think Norwich kind of expected and unfortunate, but yep. And that's just that's just football, and that's that's the yo-yo lifestyle, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and still talking on the bottom. There is one more club sitting down there. Um, they sit nineteenth. That is Watford. Roy Hodgson has a push. Put in his word. I don't think there's any surprises with this that he's going to return to retirement. It just even if he needs to just stop. Even with, but I mean, that's his like first time coming back. No, How many times? I, he, I'm just saying, like he's. he's yeah, just, he's, I think this is like he's hanging it up. He should. He should just relax. Have a take a, a load nice off glass of whiskey or something. But yeah, I not mean, not worry about football anymore. He's done his. He's paid. He's paid his dues. He's done it well and. You might as well say Wofford's relegated, too. They might be. I don't even know. They only have one point ahead of Norwich, and they just lost to Burnley. So that Burnley... Yeah, ten, wait, 10 points from Everton? Yeah, they're going down. But they could. There's four games left, so they could get 12 points. Yeah, but so they're not going to get four points. Um, four wins. But it's good for Roy to step away, I think. And there's there was questions around the specifics of the game because... Um, Watford was up 1-0 until late against Burnley. Yeah. And Roy didn't make any substitutions, so I guess there's questions with the like ownership or the board as to why that was. But uh, the fact that you're going to question managerial royalty on his yeah. decisions in those moments. Ridiculous. Like, Roy, is, he stated he's like, I'm going to do my best job here, <laughs> and whatever happens, happens. And I think it, he, he even phrased it more like kinder than that. It's a privilege um, Watford got him, considering yeah. where they were at. Obviously, they're still going down, but they had sacked their manager. So, like, what? Right. Don't you hire the man? Let him do his job. All right. Yeah, and like they're like talking about maybe appointing someone before the end of the season. And I mean, it, frankly, it doesn't matter because like all you're going to be doing is preparing for the championship. Yeah. But under the Pazzo family, um, that is Watford's ownership or line of ownership. <clears throat> this is their 16th managerial change. Um, I don't know in how long. I think he's been. Um, I think he's been there since 2012 for the Pazzo family. I think his name, yeah, Gino. Those Italian guys, Gino Pazzo. Or Gino. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I don't know why Watford has this like crazy, like in and out with managers, like. I feel like that's not good for what are they, they had, clubs. They had, they had three this this season. Yeah, they had the original. They had I don't remember Claudio, who, Claudio Ranieri, and then they had Roy Hodgson. Yeah, so that's three managers this season, and it could be four if they appoint if, someone new. Yeah, if they if they <laughs> appoint if they appoint someone before that final day of the season, then that you can consider that four. That's just crazy. <laughs> and look where it got him. Fucking dead last. Dead last. And that's like with a goal scorer. They had Emmanuel Dennis. Like they had some players this season, but just nothing nothing worked for them. So now we climb up the table. We're going to jump basically the whole mid-table. 
um, because there's not much going on there. There's no like positional shifts that are all that important. Seems as though every club that's there is going to stay there, and the, the obviously top four is the all they can the do is rain on another team's parade at this exactly, point. Exactly, yeah. Um, but that brings us to the fight for fourth. Spurs put in a great performance against Leicester. Um, Sone and Kane added again. Sone obviously bags Kane bagged off of Sone's corner. So they're doing their bit. They're producing. They look like they're in a very good spot. They took fourth place over for a short duration. And then Arsenal go and get a huge win against a London, another London club in West Ham. That's one of the top London clubs to play against. So you, you would have thought that West Ham had plans to ran on Arsenal's Spoiler parade. Party, yeah. Yeah. Pop their bubble. Although it's I mean, flip flop. We, we did a live watch for the match and I, I personally thought, I mean, there was goals in it, but it fucking Arsenal boring. never really, they weren't very creative. I would say in, in their, in the, in the game itself, but they were able to get the goals when they were there. Gabrielle had a wonderful header and I still think there's more quality, consistent quality in Arsenal's side than there is in Spurs. And I think Arsenal, they can show up on, on the big matches more than Spurs can at the moment. I'm not saying in the entire season, but where, where we are right now, I think Arsenal have that edge a little bit just to, just to get top four. It's going to be very close, and they could easily flip the other way around. But I, I, see, I see Arsenal taking top four just solely off the fact of how consistent they've been over the recent, over the recent games and the ability to pick up points when against the teams that they should be picking up points against. So, yeah, I think it comes down to the derby. The Dar- yeah, and then we then we go to the derby which will be the deciding factor. Of course, that'll probably be like a draw. And then I'll be like, <laughs> "Oh, I guess it doesn't come down to the derby yeah. because they trade points <laughs> or a point, but yeah. It it, it is kind of cool to see like this high-powered offense in Spurs that kind of breaks on the counter versus an Arsenal team that kind of maintains possession and is more willing to just hold the ball until something breaks down for the for them to get in against the opponent and it's it's, it's yeah it's going to be nervy to see which which kind of gets them there Conte more experience i think in and better peg to be in this situation than Arteta yeah but i think Spurs defensively is more susceptible obviously Arsenal maintain possession so they're less likely to get to concede and i think that's what will do them the favor. I think that's what will get them forth is the fact that they are able to hold, retain the ball and defensively they're more assured. Yeah. Spurs does play really well against top four opponents. They play Liverpool this weekend. Liverpool has always been a tall order for them. I don't know. Last, obviously, time, they, last time they played United, we got a... We're not, not a top four club, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Spurs did put in a huge shift against Liverpool, as I previously stated, and they obviously did the double over City. So they can show up for that match if they can take a point and or all three. I mean, who knows? A, a Spurs team breaking on the counter as well as they do against Liverpool's forever stepping high line. Like they might have Sony might have like two walk in goals. Son is like the biggest threat right now for me, and I think we talk about the Golden Boot race and we talk about it's actually insane. He does not. I don't think he gets enough notice. Probably the most underrated footballer. Yeah. in the world, being second behind Salah, who and his assist contribution his, is, in, is he has seven assists right now, nineteen goals, and it's not just the goals; it's the types of goals he scores. He 
I mean, you saw if you saw the game at Leicester, he scored a absolute. His first goal was a great turn and a great finish. The second goal was just pure brilliance outside the box, left curler. Um, yeah, it's left, it's right, it's on the run, it's off the dribble, it's on a volley. It's a quick, it's a quick touch and turn and then a finish. So, I think Son, if you, I think he's a player that deserves a little bit more in his career. Uh, that's not that's no hate Spurs. It's just the honest truth. If he's he has the ability to be, he is one of the best players in the world, in my opinion, and. I just wish he got a little bit more success throughout his career. He's obviously still capable of winning trophies. Will that be at Spurs? I think a lot of Spurs fans would hope so, but I don't see them winning a trophy next season or the season after that. Maybe I would say the season after that, yes, but next season, I mean, he's only getting older. This is the same situation as with Kane. I think Son, as the, being a good person, will stay at Spurs, but... I think he's just happy there. I think he yeah. he like really does enjoy it there. He's in London. The um, fans love him. He loves the fans. Yeah. He loves the club. And that's that's the beauty of, I think, him as a player and as a person is that he's loyal and he knows his worth and he knows his right. quality. And, he's, and he, he doesn't need to go like prove himself any extra. Exactly. I just, for me, on the outside looking in, not being a Spurs fan, I'm sure Spurs fans think the same. He deserves more, but they're happy to have him. I, I think he... I think he's a great player and a player that does not get enough shouts. But yeah, no, that's for sure. Um, but that's all I got written down. What else? You, oh, you got to talk about United. No wonder I didn't write that down. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, and the last thing I wanted to shout about Spurs was Kulu is has the most assists. He joined in February and he has the most assists since joining. So, another person that's crucial to Spurs on the break and the goals that they score. All right, now you can get on your United soapbox. No wonder I didn't write that down. You're actually kidding, right? Oh, Ronaldo. It's like you're it's like you're in Hollywood whenever you talk about Liverpool and the cameras are on you. Yep. It's, it's, it's well, the camera's joke. on you. Let's hear it. I got this one. So, yes, obviously Manchester United beat Brentford at the weekend 3-0. And I think a lot of – it was a performance that you'd think you'd, you'd seen from United throughout the season. It was full of quality, full of um, – it was more of a team win. And it was a clean sheet, which is something we haven't seen in a minute. But um, the biggest shouts are the Mata, Matic, Cavani are, have bid their farewell to the club. And Matic, I think, has been a great servant. His age caught up with him, unfortunately. A great six, a player who was composed, um, was very aware on the pitch, and was honestly quite good on the ball, in my opinion. Cavani, work rate was top-notch. Ever since joining... Kept he, you alive last season. Exactly. He kept us alive last season. I ha, I was skeptical of the signing when we made when we made it and it was announced. It, was, it seemed more of a signing just to please the fans. We got a big name. Obviously, his age was catching up with him, but he still was a player that scored in moments when we needed him, and he and he worked his socks off. And he seemed. To, and if you watched the video today online, it was it was going all over. But you could see even one of the United fans, this young girl and her family. He was holding the the woman's baby and then hugging the girl and she was crying and was like, don't leave. Like they, they were showing their uh, support for him and he, he signed it. I think, I don't know what he signed. He signed something for the family, but it, it was, was like just, graphic art. Yeah. It was, it was yeah. really cool to see. And, and then the girl gave him a handmade headband. Yeah. And he, and they took a picture. Put it on. On. Yeah. I, it'd be cool if he wears it at the weekend. That would be sick. Yeah. That would be, can really you imagine cool. being like a young, like, or me, a 24 <laughs> yeah. year old and be like, made holy like a, shit. Imagine, he's wearing imagine my I shit. made him like a bracelet or something. Oh. Or like, I don't even know. But, uh, no, so no, it's good to see. I think the fans fell in love with all three of those players. Mata, a player that 
True professional. True professional, true, full of quality. They say class is permanent, and that it certainly is with him. And I was I was listening to Adam McCullough on Stratford Paddock, and he, he defined Mata's time at United bittersweet. And this this performance alone bittersweet because um, he, if you look at Mata as a player, he is he's better than Bruno on the ball. He's more composed. He makes the right decisions. He plays simple. He controls the tempo of the game. I'm not saying he's a better player. I just think on the ball and what his decision making. I think Bruno takes more risks because he is able to and he has the freedom to do that. Mata obviously has the quality to do that, but he is just a player that is balls at his feet, one two touch off his foot. Um, he can he can take players on with with just the direction, the change in direction of his body movement. Even at his age, he's able to do that. Um, his crossing, his set piece taking. I just think he's a quality player. We never really utilized him to his fullest talents. We put, we kind of played him on the wing throughout his entire career at United. He's what a, would you say? Mourinho probably did the best at utilizing him. I think. Or was it Van Hal did? I think. Hall, yeah. I think he got the best. I, I think the most. Success he had was with Van Hal, but he was also younger. We bought him when he was 26, 25, 26. And young. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I would say, no, I would say, sorry, I could, I, I would say 26, 27 in range. I could be 25. Reg- your ages. It's, I'll find out. Um, but regardless of that, it doesn't really matter. He was still young enough to be a player that could be utilized in the number 10. We never did that with him. And whenever he was playing in the middle of the park, he was. Composed, he played simple, he pulled the strings. A player that United never... It was hard to get a player like that to play on a consistent basis. And the biggest thing about his professionalism is that he came. He was always ready to play. And when he did come on, he played simple. And I think that's what every player wants. You want someone to retain the ball and not turn over possession and put your team in situations where you can't you either concede or you make your whole team look like fools. So It was at, 26. 26. So Around at, there. Adam McCullough said it best, bittersweet. I can completely agree on that, and it sucks, but I think he he deserved better towards the end of his career at United, deserved more playing time. I think, like I said, all the things I mentioned, he was uh, he was truly a just a good person. He's a saint, yeah. yeah. I mean, he had the love of the fans was always in his heart, and even like after the game, he stood in the rain for yeah, min- si- long, signing long, autographs and stuff. Long minutes. Granted, it was after a victory, which is nice, but taking pictures, signing autographs, spending that last little bit of time with them. Um, so that, that goes to show what he's about. And players like that, it, the game is desperate desperate for that in these times. So we always love to see it and shout it. Um, um, exactly. Can't agree more. The one thing that you could look at the United game and and some negatives from the farewells is no farewell at Old Trafford for Jesse Lingard. He seems to be out the door. His contract's up in June. He's fell out of favor with the club the entire season. And I don't know what's going on in the back room, but Ragnick did not play him. <clears throat> and there was some, uh, there was posts made by his brother, uh, you know, basically shitting on the club, shitting on the fact that they didn't acknowledge what Jesse's done. I think Jesse deserved to get playing time at Old Trafford. He's an academy graduate. He scored in big games for us, scored in the FA Cup, uh, FA Cup final. Um, and a player that just, I think, never really hit the heights that he, we've saw, we saw at West Ham. He was a player that he got like his Deli Ali of United. I would except say, better because United's more than. Spurs. I would say Deli Ali is a little bit more talented, but I think Jesse. I guess you, I guess you can compare the two when it comes to like the form drop off was pretty was pretty significant. Yeah, 
And I just feel for Jesse in that instance because he is an academy graduate. He's he's Manchester United through and through. I think he put up an Instagram post today, and it was him when he was a kid, like probably 10 or 11, maybe a little bit older. But he's wearing a, kit, he's wearing a T-shirt that says United. So he loves the club. I don't think he put himself in a position to not play. I think it was solely Ragnick's decision. And it's unfortunate because, like I said, he's an academy Manchester United player, and he's amongst those those players like Pogba and 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 Rashford that have come through, and um, it sucks to see. But yeah, and then moving on from that, to go. Cristiano Ronaldo. You talk about opinions in football. You talk about the media in England, and the, I don't even know throughout Europe who else might might try to create narratives for a player that clearly has nothing has done nothing but good for the United. Roy Keane said it best. Oh, look at him. He's such a problem scoring all these goals. Uh, and he's, and that's, yeah. per, that's the perfect way to put Like he is literally not the problem. And this man, he's 37 years old. He scored 18 goals in the premier league in 2008, 2009, when he was the best player in the world, he scored 18 goals in the premier league finishing the season with that. He still has two games, two or three games left where he can score. He can easily get close to five more goals. I think if he's in the right positions, if this team is able, if this team can, get that many goals. It's been inconsistent as of late, but I just think that Ronaldo is a player that could be utilized can be utilized next season for 10 hog, build the team around him. Don't play him every single game in the season, play him on the weekend, play him in the premier league and yeah, build teams, build a team around him that can provide service, provide quality balls into the box and he's going to put them in the net, but isn't solely relying on him. Exactly. Cause it's going to take a move away. That's what I'm saying. I, th- yeah. I think that's what I, I think, uh, I, I mean, he'll fit into any kind of system or style. I think, yeah, so, like, exactly. And like United, a team, they have talented wingers, and I think they will obviously as next season rolls around. So I think the service will be there regardless of the direction that Ten Hag takes. Yeah. Um, and Ronaldo, I, it doesn't matter what he does; he's going to score goals. He's going to score goals, and he's quoted saying, "I'm not finished." Post match. Uh, is that is that they also the- made something of a celebration that he like pointed to himself and then the fans and then I don't know if he pointed to the badge and then like did the <laughs> but like I, I feel like he always does that where he like oh he taps his he chest always, and always, points to the ground he always goes like this because that's like this is my house kind but of I think on that day the, the commentator media. made a comment about it and everyone's like oh. he's staying I I think this quote can mean I'm not finished as in Europe it can mean anything it's a very vague statement. I hope it means he's not finished at United. He's getting the people going. Yeah, he is. He's got people <laughs> thinking. But no, I, I would love to see. Uh, I, I would love to see Cristiano Ronaldo back at Manchester United, back at Old Trafford next season. He has another year in his contract left. Utilize it. Ha- I I forget who was post match talking about it, but I think Tim Howard was, and they were talking about how yes, like yes, keep him. He's he is a Manchester United player. He knows the what the history. Or how the players used to um, the mentality of players at United and how they should be. He was one of them back ten. He is one of them now. He was one of them winning trophies ten years ago or fifteen years yeah. ago or longer. So he knows the mentality that these players need to have. So let him stay another year. Let him mold some of the younger players, players in coming in, build a culture that is sustainable for the future. Let him be the glue. Exactly. Even I mean, what was it? Beginning of this season, it was like the. Ronaldo was there. The standard that he sets, like, it's not that he demanded anything from the players or said they should do this or that, but, like, 
when Ronaldo showed up and walked in and was eating his dinner, like no one on the team had dessert because Ronaldo didn't yeah. have dessert. Like that's something that it's like, yeah, it's unspoken and it's just them idolizing him that much because of everything that he's done and he deserves it fully. But that's the standard that he sets for the rest of the team without even speaking a word. Um, and that's something that United need. And I, it's going to be difficult to replace 18 goals next season. <laughs> it's actually insane that he scored. And he I don't think a signing is if, going to do that. If he hits, could he beat Salat? I don't think so. Just because it's only two games. Only, yeah, it's only two games. But um, I think. I think it's three. Either or. It's three games left. So I, I think, I don't, I don't, I'm not expecting Golden Boot, but that would be some, some feat if he was to get Golden Boot at 37 years old in the Premier League. And it's not even out of nowhere. He was doing it. He did it in Italy last year. Yeah, no, exactly. So, look, Ten Hag, I, th- I think Ten Hag would keep him. I think he will keep him. And I'm excited for next season just to see a more well-balanced team with a exciting young manager. So, that's all I have to say. It is three, I believe. Three, and then you play Melbourne Victory on July 15th, which must be a summer game. That's not That's not the <laughs> Premier League, bro. I know, I know, that's not. <laughs> no, I know, yeah. So we have Brighton Palace and Liverpool. Wait, what? Wait, what? Fuck? Oh, no, it's two games left. It's four. No, it's two. Dude, that's July 19th. Oh, shit. Oh, hopefully they play in the U.S. That would be pretty sick. That would be sick. So, yeah, we have Brighton and Palace. A game in which we could e- he could easily get some gold. Yeah, you definitely score. You definitely score. And I think he'll be over a pen if if he can, Bruno if, won't if, take he can it. if he can get twenty, that would be that would be insane. Yeah. And I mean he has he has already hit twenty because he has goals in other comps he scored in the champions. League. Yeah, but the prim, I mean the prim, yeah, league. to get it just in the prem, which the is prim. also now the most dominant. It's not like him doing it in Italy. Like he did it in the most dominant league in the world yeah. as well. So And what what do we always say the probably the time a time period where it's the most competitive Premier League we've seen. Yeah, exactly. Like that's the best team. That's the best league in the world. So, yeah, debate it all you want, but don't no 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 more Ronaldo hit and no more Pinaldo stuff because the best players in the world score penalties. So I saw somewhere I saw goal the goal dot com or whatever goal put it up on Twitter and people were like, "He scored a penalty." It's like, what do you not want him to score penalties? Did did, did Salah not score penalties this season? Did anyone say to Benzema's Panenka Panenka that it was like? Oh, Benzema scored a penalty. It's just it's not relevant. The 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 penalty thing I think is such a is such a waste of a of a argument against someone who scores a lot of goals. <laughs> Unless it's as many as Bruno had that one season. Yeah, that's a, that's a stretch, but that doesn't. But happen. he's also a midfielder. Yeah, like, yeah, he's not in position to score all game. So, but, but goals are goals. Goals are goals, and this is the Howlers podcast. Thank you for joining us. Episode one hundred and nine was great. And we did it up close this time. Yeah. Hope I didn't have anything in my teeth. Do not forget to like and subscribe to the Howlers podcast. Be sure to check the link tree out with all our socials, with all our platforms where you can stream us. See you soon. Bye-bye now. Subscribe. Subscribe.